0: I began to see the Bible as being a book that had answers for the problems of life and then began to teach some of that on Sunday evenings at the church. Just a series called Biblical Answers to the Problems of Life What does the Bible say about fear, depression, marriage, all kinds of things and watched as our people started getting excited about that.
1: From Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute, this is the Level Paths podcast. My name is Chris Weigel and we're glad you've taken some time to join us. When we hear the word counseling, a few different images or ideas may come to mind. We may think of a patient lying on a couch chattering away about a problem of some sort. Or maybe more reasonably, we might envision an individual or maybe a couple meeting a counselor for coffee. No matter the case, the idea of counseling is met with mixed emotions. And one question is where does counseling fit into the church? On this episode of Level Paths, Rex and Matt are having a conversation with Pastor Brad Brandt, the lead pastor at Wheelersburg Baptist Church in Wheelersburg, Ohio. Pastor Brad saw a need in his ministry that he considers a biblical responsibility, and it centers around the church, offering biblical counseling. Here's Rex Howell.
2: We are looking for the glory of God in clear view. Uh, We live in Appalachia or Appalachia depending on where you are. And we are looking for mountains to be leveled and valleys to be raised just like the prophet Isaiah talks about, just like the gospels talk about when they introduce the Lord Jesus coming on the scene. We want to see God's glory and we want to see his salvation. So we at the Level Paths Podcast and the Appalachian Ministry Institute we continue to address topics relevant to ministry in the Central and North Central Appalachian region. We have a special guest with us today, very special to me. He's my pastor at Wheelersburg Baptist Church. Uh, He's also an adjunct professor here at Tri State Bible College. And something very exciting on March 24th, 2022, he's going to be one of our breakout speakers at the Appalachian Ministry. Conference here at Tri State Bible College. Pastor Brad, welcome.
0: Thank you, Rex and Matt. It's a joy to be with you, brothers. And I really have been enjoying listening to the previous uh, podcast. I think it's addressing an important need for us in this side of the river, in Appalachia, as I'm referring to it.
2: <laughs> we've been arguing about the pronunciation since we started the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Matt has fully convinced me that it's Appalachia, but before that, I
3: did say Appalachia. Matt, you want to throw your hat in the ring here? Well, the name itself, Appalachia, the title, the name comes from Indian tribe in Florida and Appalachia really doesn't go all that way to Florida, but that's where the origin comes from. Really, depending on where you're from, if you're from here, it's generally Appalachia. If you're not from here, it may be Appalachia or worse, it may be mispronounced, but whatever it is, we're glad that those who are listening are listening to this podcast and they know who they are. They know if they're Appalachian or not, whether they're from here or not. You know, it's interesting. One of the most influential pastors to ever serve in Appalachia was not from Appalachia. In fact, he was from Boston and he moved to the Appalachian area and had an incredible influence. And so I just want to say, you don't have to be from Appalachia to make an impact in Appalachia. And so, Brad, we're so glad to have you on the podcast and so thankful for your ministry and the way that you've served there, Willersburg Baptist, uh, for so many
0: years. And what an impact that you've had there. I really appreciate that. So I guess I'm one of those that you were just describing. I didn't grow up here. I grew up three hours a year, West Central Ohio. That's farm country. It's flat. Then went to seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So coming to this area was, well, I love the sovereignty of God. God's in control of every detail in his universe. And he had certainly gone before me in preparing this ministry. In 1987, when Sherry and I moved here with our one-year-old in a sense, it was coming back home. My, my mother had grown up in West Virginia, graduated from high school in Point Pleasant. My grandfather was in Huntington, worked at the mission there in Huntington back 100 years ago uh, in Milton, West Virginia. The family name is on the stained glass in the church. So, but I didn't grow up in Appalachia. I grew up in a different place, but God had been preparing me. My wife's parents were from West Virginia, had moved north to get jobs and so forth. But we kind of knew how to think about life as we do in this area, and God was kind bringing us here. We're grateful. You know, 34 years ago, we came here, and it's certainly home to us now.
2: Coming back to Appalachia, not being raised in Appalachia, but having some familiarity because of your parents and in-laws, what was it like to come into the culture as a young pastor in Appalachia?
0: That's a nostalgic question for me to think about. For starters, is coming into a church that was 109 years old. Wheelersburg Baptist was established in 1878, and I was 26 years old. The church was heading into a building program. I was way out of my league in a lot of ways. I remember when we first came to Pulpit Supply, we were supposed to meet some folks here in Wheelersburg. Wheelersburg, for those that don't know, is right on the Ohio River. I looked out the window and see Kentucky. We're right on the Ohio River near Portsmouth, between Ironton and Portsmouth. But we show up here coming from Grand Rapids, Michigan, supposed to meet somebody. And I pulled up on the street to ask for directions. The person gave directions. I closed the window and said to my wife, what did he say? I couldn't understand. (laughs) The accent was so strong. Now everyone's changed their accents because I understand them perfectly well. So there were a lot of dynamics going on, but I came loving Christ, He had saved me out of a a liberal church background. I didn't hear the gospel until I was really 11 and uh, thought if you just lived a good life, you went to heaven. We were church going, but not gospel centered. And God thrilled me with the gospel after he saved me. I knew he wanted me to serve him in some type of ministry. I thought I was going to be a medical missionary. That's a whole other story. But loved expository preaching. Pastor that I grew under mentored me. I loved expository preaching, discipling, the emphasis of the local church and all that. So I came just convinced that God's word was what the people needed. And I would love them pray for them, minister the scriptures, and we would grow together. And that's what happened then when we came to Wheelersburg for the first uh, segment of our ministry. I did not have interest in being a biblical counselor when I came to Wheelersburg Baptist. I was convinced that's how you felt morally. I knew the statistics. Guys got into trouble because of counseling. Of course I've learned since then there were a lot of other factors more important than that. And there's ways to overcome that. But the first six or seven years here, I was just preaching God's word, working through books of the Bible, discipling men, and staying out of counseling. And what happened at that point was people start coming to me, you know, pastor, we're uh, struggling with our marriage. Can you help us? Uh, you know, pastor, My they say my child has ADHD. Can you help me? As you know, pastor, my wife died six months ago and I can't stop grieving. Can you help? And I watched these people that I love dearly and my response was, well, have you been reading your Bible? Yes. Have you been praying? Yes. And they just keep limping along or they go outside of the church from the quote professional and received help that was most of the time not from God's Word, or worse, it undermined their confidence in Christ and His Word. And so, it was at year seven that I realized I've got to get some training in this area of biblical counseling, and went off 12 Mondays to a biblical counseling training program. Then it was referred to as the National Association of Authentic Counselors, now the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors and man, it changed the way I viewed first the problems in my own life and family. I had to ask my wife for forgiveness for some things. I began to see the Bible at that point as being a book that had answers for the problems of life, and then began to teach some of that on Sunday evenings at the church, just a series called Biblical Answers of the Problems of Life, What does the Bible say about fear, depression, marriage, all kinds of things, and watched as our people started getting excited about that. That led... Eventually, in 2000, to Wheelersburg Baptist becoming a training center with now ACBC, and we uh, have the privilege in the last you know 21 years or whatever to train. I suppose there's probably been about 500 folks from 50 churches in the tri-state area that have participated in the counseling training. Ministry that we've had. That's the backdrop to our conversation today.
3: That's incredible. Of course, until this day, we had never met in person. And yet, I have always heard the hallmark of your ministry is biblical counseling. When we think about the things that you've said, it seems as though the natural outflow of expository preaching, just teaching the Bible, comes biblical counseling. So, would you give us a little more in depth understanding of what is biblical counseling?
0: When I'm using the term counseling, please don't envision a white coat clinical uh, model. Biblical counseling, as I'm defining, and in others have as well, is just targeted discipleship. It's soul care. It's taking seriously the one another commandments in the New Testament, of course, Our mission from the Lord, go and make disciples, Matthew 28, 19. Colossians 1, 28, Paul talks about presenting everyone complete in Christ. I'm convinced that God's word has answers to the problems of life to accomplish the objective God has for his people. He's intent on rescuing a people through the gospel of his son and transforming them so that they look like his son. Individually and collectively as the body of Christ. One of the challenges we face in being Christ-like living in this world is there's things that uh, we run into. Sometimes people get stuck. I like to think of the illustration as getting stuck on the sandbar. You know, if, if the church is the discipleship river and we move ahead by taking advantage of the means of grace God has provided for us, what happens if I get stuck on the side? How do I get back into the flow of the life of the river of the church? And I believe the answer is not something that's all that different from what happens week in and week out. What needs to happen on the side of the river is the ministry of the word to address the problems in life. I sometimes like to think of it as biblical counseling is not problem focused. It's goal focused. In other words, my goal primarily isn't to get rid of the depression in the person's life or to get rid of the marriage problem. My goal is to help them become God in the situation they're in. By the power of His Spirit and to the glory of His name, that's kind of at the heart of biblical counseling. The Bible has the answers to the problems of life. Hebrews four twelve. The church is the God ordained environment for the life change and soul care that God intends to happen. So, Brad, that's very different.
3: We've all seen in pastoral ministry pastors kind of playing junior psychologist. That instead of a life aligned with Scripture, it's more a goal of, as you said, doing away with the anxiety, doing away with the depression. Could you help us understand a little bit more of the distinction between the pastor as a pseudo-psychologist and the pastor as a
0: biblical counselor? There's different ways we could go with that answer. Let me just say this. Think about the theological pyramid. So in developing how we minister, we lay as a foundation, the bottom of the pyramid is the canon of scripture. And upon that exegesis, that's what we do with the Bible. We build on that with theology, biblical theology leading to systematic theology and then historical theology. Biblical counseling says at the top of the pyramid is practical theology, which is using the word of God to address the problems that people are facing as opposed to the bottom of the pyramid being psychology or man's ideas. Often what has happened in the name of counseling, even by well-meaning Christian counselors, is the bottom of the pyramid is the best of man's ideas. And so let's take the best, put some Bible verses with it, and that's Christian counseling. I'm convinced that biblical counseling is built upon that foundation that I described And it's then applying that foundation to the real issues of people's lives. Amen.
3: That's such a radically different, as you said, the basis, but it's also a radically different approach that indeed Scripture is sufficient in every area of life.
0: Again, I certainly wouldn't divulge names or anything, but I get to see this lived out regularly. And not just me, I'm not. Wittelsburg Baptist has a team of people doing what we're describing here. Recently, I was with a man struggling with pornography, just eating him alive, lost hope. And to begin to see that the Bible has answers for what's going on. It's a problem of the heart. It's not something external to him. It's not that he keeps clicking the mouse to see the screen in front of him. There's something going on in his heart, and the Bible addresses that. The Bible goes deep and helps this man to begin, as we began to unpack that, it was wonderful to see this man begin to see hope about what his problem really was, and then begin to see what the solution that God provides through His Word and the context of the local church to begin to change. I'm thrilled with it. Again, I didn't start out to be a biblical counselor. I just wanted to be a faithful pastor, but I'm convinced that shepherding— involves caring for people at this level and equipping the body to do that. Before we move on too quickly, Rex, there's one thing that he said that I
3: want to make sure we don't move past too quickly. You said there's an entire team of people at Wheelersburg Baptist that's doing this. Now, my guess is when you were 26 years old and you came there, you didn't come into a church with an entire team of people who were doing this. So could you tell us how that came to be and what that looks like? Because oftentimes the pastor is the preacher, he's the administrator, he's the bathroom cleaner, he's the counselor, you know, whatever that may be. I didn't know anything about this, but as I listen to you talk, I want to make sure that we drill down into that and listen to the process that you put in place there.
0: Well, it's all to the glory of God. What you're asking leads to, I mean, there's several pieces to the answer. One is, by God's grace, I've been here 34 years. Frankly, the first 10 years, not much of this was happening i mean this was a church again people are being saved people are being discipled there's things happening but in terms of if someone had a problem they went outside the church it was breaking my heart that's part of why the training was so important for me to give after that happened at year seven and just began to teach about the fact that the bible has answers to the problems of life You know, I'm probably different from you, Matt. I think as I've been listening, to you're you probably a good thinker, a good planner. You've got 10-year projections. Everything that I came to Wheatlesburg Baptist to do, my 10-year projections never materialized. All that I'm describing was like, so after I got the training, I started teaching some on Sunday nights, as I mentioned, and then we thought, this is too good to keep to ourselves. Why don't we offer a one-day biblical counseling seminar on a Saturday, and let's invite area churches and see who comes. About a dozen churches came, fifty people, and we just did some things. Brought in a biblical counselor to do some teaching. Next year, like, I wonder if people would be interested in more of this. Let's do another one-day event, and same type of numbers. Did it a third year, then we're like, I wonder if people would like more of this, and so we said, let's start a twelve-week program on Monday evenings. Same type of numbers. What about the next year? Are you interested in more? The survey said yes. Yeah, so let's call it Track Two, and before you know. God is beginning to raise up people in our church and in our sister churches that have a growing understanding that the word of God is sufficient for dealing with the problems of life. Once that happened, and this will be another podcast, there was some pushback against what was happening in the church. We eventually went through a very difficult time of pruning regarding this and some other things. And after that, it raised us up. To have the opportunity to have this type of biblical ministry, I became convinced that God wanted us to have what Paul talked about in Acts twenty twenty. 20 an Acts twenty twenty, ministry where he talks to the elders at Ephesus and said, you're with you that I didn't hesitate to preach to you publicly and from house to house. So word-centered ministry that shows up in public preaching, but also in house to house, that's what biblical counseling is all about. We began to implement that, and some folks in the church began to sh- express interest. Uh, others got additional training, got certified with ACBC. Sort of the rest is history as we just have continued to just do that. Fairly low-key approach, teaching, modeling, doing biblical counseling, caring for folks in the church, letting it be known in the community. Folks come from our community, come from our away, you know, often bring their pastor in to observe and help equip him in caring for their folks. So that's kind of a, a flyover answer to a question that has a lot of pieces to it.
2: I wanted to touch on something that you said, Pastor Brad, about the heart. Romans 8, 29, we know that it is God's plan for his people to conform to the image of his son. And so God's committed to saving us completely. And you talked about the heart a little bit and you gave the illustration of pornography and it's not simply the external act of clicking it's actually a heart problem that where the work of God needs to take place. I'm telling an Appalachian story here. Growing up in a little Baptist church, having youth leaders and for the most part I had a great experience there, but one of the things that I learned that wasn't so good was when we were in youth group, we sat in the back pews most of the time, right? But if you were sitting by a girl, we had to apply the hymn book rule. You had to keep a hymn book's distance between you and the girl, right? Because that hymn book was going to keep my heart pure, Pastor Brad. And to not be silly, but to blow this up a little bit, I've seen in my ministry, men try to use things like covenant eyes. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't use it. It can be maybe an accountability tool or something of that nature, but I know guys who knew how to get around covenant eyes. And so covenant eyes wasn't really dealing with the heart problem, but really the problem is the heart. We've got to get to the heart.
0: You're sounding like a biblical counselor, Rex. That's right. The Bible is so robust in the way it approaches the problems of man, not not to surprise us. The creator himself is showing us in his word who he is, who we are. So you look at Ephesians 4, and Paul talks about putting off and putting on. So change involves not just stopping something, but replacing it at the heart level and the behavior level, and it's very thorough. Ephesians 5 talks about, what about sexual sin? It's a worship problem, and so the idolatry needs to be put off at the heart level, but replaced by thanksgiving, Ephesians 5, 4, which is, a, again, we need a whole half hour to unpack that because it's a perfect solution for a guy that's struggling with pornography. He's wrapped up in self. He's worshiping the creature instead of the creator. And when he begins to become a giver of thanks, his whole orientation has changed at the heart level. And then the actions change as well. And the actions must change. Mm-hmm. Let me say this because sometimes folks will misunderstand. Are you saying then the Bible is all you need? One of the things we're committed to is working closely with a medical doctor because there can be organic reasons why people struggle with things. And so getting a good medical checkup is critical when we're doing biblical counseling. Are there things that are affecting what's going on in their life that need to be addressed by a medical doctor is very important to acknowledge at this point.
2: I appreciate you saying that because there are team players in this and trying to help someone be wholly healthy. What we're talking about here today is that the Bible needs a seat at that table. The medical doctor has a seat at the table. And too often in culture, God's word doesn't get a seat at the table. And we're saying, no, it needs to have a seat at the table in someone's holistic health.
1: Caring for people in the church can be a dirty job, and no matter the size of the church, the pastor shouldn't be expected to minister to people all by himself. That's why training up lay counselors from within the congregation is so important, especially when folks are seeking answers. Does your church offer biblical guidance, or are people looking to the world? When we come back, what does biblical counseling look like in Appalachia? Coming up on September 23rd at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio, the Appalachian Ministry Conference, fulfilling your ministry in a post-COVID Appalachia. The keynote speaker is Dr. Tom Cheney, author of Church Revitalization in Rural America. This first-ever Appalachian Ministry Conference will focus on engaging Christian ministry in Appalachia for God's glory in a world impacted by COVID-19. The day starts at 9 a.m. and includes breakout sessions, lunch, lunch, Q&A sessions, Appalachian storytelling, and of course you'll hear from keynote speaker Dr. Tom Cheney, Rex Howe from Tri-State Bible College, and Matt Shamlin from the Appalachian Ministry Institute. Again, the Appalachian Ministry Conference is Thursday, September 23rd at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio. To register, visit tsbc.edu and click on Apply Now or call 740-377-2520.
3: You know, too often when we think about our walk with Jesus, often that is relegated to what happens on Sunday morning and that there is a great disconnect between the preaching of the word of God and the application in my life throughout my life. And I couldn't help but think of the change that had to have come in your church as people were being equipped to align their lives with scripture, as you say, carry out this focused discipleship. And as those things were taking place, there had to have been a radical change that took place. When I say radical, maybe it was the issue of the heart much more than it was in action, at least at first, as people were seeing the Bible is sufficient in helping me understand my
0: anxiety or in in helping me
3: understand my soul care.
0: That's exactly right, Matt. When I'm working with folks hundreds of folks over the years, and they're like, why do you do this? Why would you want to hear my problems and so forth? And i often say, please don't take this wrong, but this isn't about you or me. I have the privilege to be on the front row watching God do something really incredible in your life. You have the same problem I have. We're sinners. We've been sinned against, and so there are problems that need to be addressed, and he does. He uses the all things, Romans 828, to accomplish the objective of Romans 8, 29, that we might be like his son. And I get to have a front row watching him do that. So it's a beautiful thing. Let's
2: get into Appalachia a little bit. In preparation for today's conversation, I was looking at Jay Adams' book, A Call for Discernment, and he has this wonderful illustration on page 45 in the chapter titled, What is Spiritual Discernment? He talks about the jeweler. The jeweler knows value. That is his trade and so the jeweler knows how to discern, he knows how to pick up, he knows what to look for, and so as you've been practicing biblical counseling in Appalachia, what are some of the specific challenges that you see in doing biblical counseling in Appalachia?
0: How many minutes do we have left to talk about this question? (laughs) Let's start with this one. How about the preacher boy view of the minister? When I first came, hey preacher, I mean, that's the way we're often referred to. What and Think about what that communicates. Your job is to preach. It's not to meddle in my life. It's not to talk about what's going on in my marriage. There's a problem with that because the Bible exhorts the pastor to be involved ministering the word in ways that bring about life transformation. Ephesians is a wonderful biblical counseling book. Look what Paul's doing there as he neuthetically engages his people and talks about everything from communication to parenting. All kinds of things in the second part of the letter. So that's a huge one. We could talk about the common view of the church in Appalachia, uh, that it's a place we go rather than a people we do life with. In one of your previous podcasts, you talked about the homecoming and so forth and how we view that. I think that was spot on. How about this one? And this is going to be controversial, but the whole revival approach to church life in Appalachia. This goes back to the purpose of church Sunday morning is evangelism, fire and brimstone preaching, get the crowds to come, your jobs to bring your non-saved friends, we'll preach, they'll get saved, okay? So what happens? Every week it's evangelism, evangelism, so how are we going to help these Christians grow? We develop revivals, so a couple times a year we've got to revive the people that aren't growing very much that know Jesus, and so... It's a system that perpetuates itself. When you look at the New Testament, though, it's not a revival approach. It's not even a decisional approach. It's a disciple making approach that the pastor's job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So we gather for worship and edification, and then we scatter to do evangelism out in the community. That feeds right into if I think that the church to function that way, then what's the purpose for biblical counseling? It doesn't fit into that model. And then this one's not unique to Appalachia, but just the counseling is the task of the professional, the expert, not the elder, not the shepherd. There's some strong pushback at that level that we see in our area as well. So there are three or four that uh, each could be developed more extensively if you wanted to. You know,
3: when I teach on church revitalization, one of the things that we do is gain a grasp of what is the church because you can't revitalize a church. You can't help move a church from an unhealthy point or a death to life if we don't know what life is supposed to look like, if we have a distorted view. And you're exactly right. When we think about the unhealthy view of church in Appalachia, it has a lot more to do with an evangelistic service that's held on a weekly basis than it does in growing people into the image of Christ in this discipleship. And because of that, you see, in some cases, large crowds of people who expect almost entertainment to take place from the pulpit on Sunday morning, because that's what's happened in the past. We're going to invite lost people to come gather with us so that the preacher can tell them about Jesus. What it's resulted in, it's resulted in some cases, very large churches. It's more than no depth in a biblical understanding but it's not even appreciation into this full, more robust understanding that God has equipped me for every good work. So when we think about biblical counseling in Appalachia, one of the things that comes to my mind is the emotionalism that comes as being a person from Appalachia. So can you tell me, what does that look like when you're counseling
0: someone What is the place of emotion in the follower of Christ? Second, Peter's a great book for that, isn't it? Peter makes a contrast between the desire-driven life and the word-driven life. And in biblical counseling, as we're helping people change, we have to help them to see, okay, if you live based on your feelings, it produces this outcome, and it's not a good outcome. But as we learn to live based on the truth of God's word, we're not anti-emotion. In fact, that's the fullest experience of motion as God intended as we learn how to live based on truth, not based on how we're feeling in the moment. So again, great question that could uh, be developed and a long answer, but that would be a good place probably to start. Rex,
3: I can see an entire series with Pastor Brad talking about these individual issues. And I know our goal was to really give a broad overview of these things. But Brad, this has been an incredible joy. And I have so many more questions. So we've got to do multiple parts to this so we can expand on some of these things even more.
0: I'm a fellow learner with you, Matt. I'd love the opportunity to talk more about this. And I really invite... Uh, listeners uh, feedback as well. Let me put a plug in for Tri-State at this point, because you didn't ask me to do this, but this is exactly why we need solid biblical theological education in our area. Biblical counseling has to be built on the Bible. It's not built on emotion. It's not built on experiences and traditions. So, if you're thinking you want to be a better biblical counselor, it's important that you know the Bible. Uh, We had a fellow came through one of our training events one time from not a church that preached the gospel, but he was into helping people. And so sometimes people come to our events because they just love to help people. About eight weeks into the 12-week course, he came up and he said, I'm really learning that to do biblical counseling well, you really need to know the Bible, don't you? I said, yeah, that's a good observation. He said, we don't study the Bible very much where I go, he said, do you have any suggestions for me? And I said, well, this is like what we do every week. We do kind of what we're doing in this train. We study the Bible at our church. And he said, do you think maybe that I could come? And I said, I'm not sure. We're pretty crowded, but we might be able to find a place for you. So, yeah, Tri-State's helping raise up this level of understanding of God's Word. Thank you, man, for doing that.
2: Yeah, it's one of our core values, biblical and contextual intelligence. We teach all the books of the Bible here. We teach about the world of the Bible, in which the revelation came, and the world in which you're going to go out and teach the Bible, especially here in Appalachia. Now,
0: what kind of resources might you recommend, Pastor Brad? One thing you could do is go to wheelersburgbaptist.com, our website, and the two tracks, there's 25 lectures in each of the tracks, so 50 sessions on just how to use God's word to minister to problems that people, you could listen to the audio recordings if you want to know, how would I use God's word to minister to someone struggling with anxiety? Just check out that resource, wheelersburgbaptist.com. We actually have a fundamentals track training that's going to be taking place in September, at Grace Gospel in Huntington. They're hosting that event for the churches in the tri-state. If you're interested in training that would go towards certification with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, that would be something you might consider. It'll be Friday evening, Saturday, three of the weekends in September. If you'd like more information, feel free to contact us here at the church about that. Biblicalcounseling.com is the website for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. You want to find out if there's a biblical counselor in Albuquerque so that your cousin can find help. They've got a great search engine there to help find biblical counselors as well as all kinds of helpful materials about topics that you might find interesting. That's biblicalcounseling.com. Our next class that we'll offer here at Wheelersburg Baptist Church is uh, scheduled for the winter months, January through March. 12 Monday evenings. And if you just have questions, feel free to reach out to me uh, here at Wheelersburg Baptist. Uh, Again, Brad Brandt. My email is brandt at wheelersburgbaptist.com. I'd love to interact with you.
2: Pastor Brad will be with us at the Appalachian Ministry Conference on March 24th here at Tri-State Bible College.
3: We invite you all to attend that. You know, the more people we meet, the more of these interviews that we do, the more conversations we have. Just what a work God's doing in our community. In so many different aspects, so many different ways, God has gifted, equipped people, Brad, just like yourself. And it's incredible to hear that discipleship is taking place to multiply that effort. Brother, it's been such a joy to meet with you today. It's been a joy to hear your heart for these things. And I have to say that I am very, very excited to hear more, learn more, and to really
0: investigate this even more for myself. What a valuable, valuable ministry. Thank you, Matt and Rex. God's an amazing God. He's doing incredible things in the tri-state in unexpected, unknown ways by many of us. Here we are just doing our little thing and he's doing a lot of things, so praise him.
1: Wherever you find yourself investing in the lives of the people around you, there will be needs that need to be met. And what better place than the church for people to find support, healing, and hope? Better yet, what better a place than the church to offer prepared, biblically-based counseling? If you'd like to learn more, you can reach out to Pastor Brad by emailing him at brant at wheelersburgbaptist.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-T at wheelersburgbaptist.com. And of course, you can always find out more by contacting Rex How at rex.howe at tsbc.edu or Matt Shamlin at matt.shamlin at tsbc.edu. On the next Level Paths Podcast. You better
2: learn how to not run around and be in my way or the highway, but you better learn how to
3: work with people. Many churches that die in rural areas is because of unresolved conflict.
1: The Level Paths Podcast is an outreach of Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute.